In some ways, today's podcast is the most important we've ever done because it is about the future of medicine. That's to say, it is all about medical students. And once again, we have a medical student who's written in with a scenario which is going to cover everything from how much tax you should pay if you're earning only £5,000 a year working as an HCA while studying medicine, right through to is being a doctor still a good job. So even if you're not a medical student, I think there's two reasons why you should listen to this. One, a lot of what we're about to say applies to anyone's personal finances. And two, I think it's important for everyone to appreciate that medical students are struggling right now. And I think there's always a perception that each generation feels like they have it worse than generation before. I don't know what you think about this, mate, but I think that current medical students have it a bit worse than us. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we're going to explain why. But it's definitely not all doom and gloom. So let's get into this special episode. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. As ever, this podcast is for entertainment only and does not represent any form of financial, legal or accounting advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So that is the sound of the Medics Money bleep, which means that one of our podcast listeners have sent us in a scenario and we are going to give our help and opinion. Uh, sorry if that bleep has reminded you of being at work or you are at work and you're thinking that you have been bleeped, but most likely it's our bleep going off, not yours. So sit back and listen to the podcast. I'm here with my colleague, Dr. Cantello. Hi, guys. Great to have you on the podcast, mate. I think we should just get straight into this because I think this is one of the most important uh, scenarios we've done so far. This comes from a fourth year graduate medical student. I'm a fourth year med graduate medical student and I have some big concerns about my money. I will have nearly £80,000 of student debt by the time I graduate. I also have a credit card with £3,000 on it. I'm from a working class background and I'm worried that I won't be able to pay off all the debt. In addition to studying medicine, I work as a healthcare assistant and earn £5,000 per year, but I still seem to be getting taxed on this income. I also have big concerns whether I will enjoy being a doctor as I hear lots of doctors on social media who are burned out and quitting medicine. Have I done the right thing by studying medicine? And do you have any financial tips for medical students? I mean, this one's got me really interested because basically this was my exact situation 14, oh my goodness, 14 years ago since I left med school. Scary. So exactly the same, 85 grand down, working class family, no help to pay off. So this might offend you, mate, by not talking about the tax question first, because I think that is not the most important question here. Well, that's fair enough. Sorry. Okay, no, I'll, I'll accept it. Uh, I'm aware that's highly offensive <laughs> to you as a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. So... Have I done the right thing by studying medicine? I mean, being a doctor right now is as tough as it's ever been, like no doubt. Um, and I can totally understand why medical students are having these thoughts and there's a lot of negativity about. And I think a lot of that negativity is really justified. It's, it's really tough out there now. Like the NHS is creaking at the seams. So I, I can honestly say 
that being a doctor is the best job I've ever had. But to put that in context, my other jobs that I've had have been a lifeguard, a kitchen porter, which if you're not familiar, that's just like a posh name for a washer-upper. That was quite a fun job, actually. I was a tour rep in Spain and I've been a bike mechanic. So you might be thinking, well, that's not a very impressive list of jobs, and you'd be right. But that was just the jobs that I did to try to pay my way through med school. But I am sitting next to a man who's had what some graduates might consider the dream graduate job, because before being a doctor, you were a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor at PricewaterhouseCoopers in London. So that's a pretty prestigious job. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it, it, yeah, it was a good job. You know, um, I've had a far fewer. A uh, number of jobs in you. So I, mean, I, I basically I used to work in a in a library when I was uh, doing my A levels. Nice. And, uh, you need to get a bit of money, uh, and then yeah, went into PwC. I also did did a bit of um, tutoring in like uh, chemistry A level for uh, for for um, A level students when I was going through medical school. And when I was at medical school, I also would do people's tax returns to get some uh, some money as well. Um, but yeah, absolutely. My, my main job uh, other than being a GP is uh, was. Uh, working for price with our scoopers which you know as you say it was um it was a good job and um you know accountants you know being an accountant is a great it's a great job i'm gonna not gonna lie okay it has lots of advantages but also lots of disadvantages and um you know i actually think i'm happier being a doctor than an accountant because i'm happier with the, with the work that i'm doing the type of work that i'm doing but you know being a doctor is you know long hours it's stressful there's a lot of negativity in the press at the moment, which is really kind of affecting me. I think I, I, you know, I hate reading stuff in the papers at the moment. It's really, uh, it's awful. And um, you know, it's whether or not this uh, the students on the right thing at the end of the day is, of course, going to be a personal decision. Personally, for me, I think the upside of the job still, you know, easily outweighs the the downsides. Um, but of course, you know, they mentioned about burnout and social media, etc. And I think it's uh, you know really, really, really important to, to look after yourself and try and try your best to prevent burnout because it's so easily done definitely i think each of us working in the nhs not just doctors all of us nurses healthcare assistants porters you know it's really important to look after yourself because it is incredibly busy out there at the moment and i think yeah i suppose like i flippantly listed my job list of uh, kind of menial trivial jobs um but i also do have like what i consider the dream job like Medics money, you know? Yeah. And I think Medics money has really put into sharp focus, you know, what we do as doctors. You know, yesterday I was working on Medics money. I spent most of the day looking at our search algorithm to help improve that. Didn't really communicate with anyone and didn't really achieve anything meaningful. Sorry, mate. I didn't have a good day yesterday. Fair enough. But if you go to work as a doctor or a nurse or something else, pretty much every day you influence someone's life for the better. You know, and um, I'm influencing about 120 patients' lives a day at the moment for the better, which is not ideal. And that's definitely part of the reason why I think burnout is so rife. The workload is just totally out of control. But, you know, I still really enjoy the job. Uh, and like Ed says, if you are not enjoying it, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And I think another mistake that maybe I made is once I'd become a doctor, I thought I couldn't do anything else. And I think Medics Money has proved that that was not true. And also, we've had loads of people on the podcast who have been doctors and have stepped out and done something else. So James Somery springs to mind. We did an episode with him. So I think, you know, it's, it's early days. Yes, being a doctor is really hard right now. But, you know, I still love it. Um, Ed still 
claiming that it's better than being an accountant. Yeah, no, I think, I think it is. I think it is. Do you know how many accountants listen to this podcast? I don't know, actually. <laughs> Quite a few. Yeah, yeah, a few less now, I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. They've turned off. They all turned off to go to medical school. Okay. Um, I think as well, like, if you're not enjoying something, never be afraid to make a change. So... I was training as what I thought was my dream job as an anaesthetist, um, but pretty much straight away, I knew I'd made a mistake and I wasn't happy. It was making me miserable. I didn't enjoy rotating around hospitals miles away from each other. And so, you know, I, I, I quit that job and that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And at the time, everybody was thinking I was crazy quitting anaesthetics to become a GP, but I would know I would do it again tomorrow, you know, it's a great decision. So I think try to work out what you enjoy, look after yourself. Uh, but also I still love being a doctor. Yeah. And also if you are if you are struggling, you know, just you know, let someone know, talk to someone, talk to people, let people know what's going on. Definitely. Don't, don't suffer in silence. Yeah. That's a key thing. Yeah. And um we work closely with the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund. Definitely recommend their resources for anyone that's struggling. And I think the BMA have a free helpline for doctors that even if you're not a BMA member, shock, horror, if you're not a BMA member, let's not talk about that, but they have a free helpline that's available to anyone, irrespective of your member. I think that's, you know, fair play to the BMA for doing that. Even if you're not a member, they're, they're looking out for you. So that's good. Well, that was, that was heavy. That was uh, can we talk about tax now? <laughs> let's talk about tax, mate, because <laughs> let's just remind uh, the listeners after that pretty heavy session that basically um, this this podcast listener is not only working as a doc, uh, studying to be um, a doctor at medical school, but also working as an HCA. I just want to talk about one thing there is that I worked loads of jobs when I was doing my undergraduate degree and um, apologies to anyone that was swimming in St. Mary's Hospital swimming pool between 2000 and 2003 because it probably looked like the lifeguard was revising for his uh, biochemistry exams rather than watching the pool. Uh, that's true. Actually, I think that's why I got a first because lifeguarding was so boring. No one ever came in the pool. So I just took a folder of really boring biochemistry and I had no choice other than to spend like 14 hours learning it. And so that was quite a good, yeah, yeah was good things. Yeah. What do you think about working as an HCA whilst at med school? Like, I think that's impressive, but just be careful with the workload, right? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's good to get a bit of extra money. It's good to, um, you know, keep your, keep your, your hand in those sort of things. But yeah, yeah I agree. You know, it's, you know, make sure it's not affecting your, your studies. Yeah. I'm not trying to sound patronizing at all, because I'm sure this person knows exactly what they're doing. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, I think it's, it's fine to, yeah, as well. I think your main focus has got to be qualifying as a doctor. Like you're, yeah, you're all in on that, so you got to yeah. do that. But if you've been an HCA on in the wards before, you're going to be an amazing F1 because you're going to know exactly how yeah, yeah. the ward yeah. works. They're going to be so good when they, uh, when yeah. they get to F1. Absolutely. Another thing I just thought about is that you uh, you might check your contract here. I'm improvising, but you might start to accrue extra days of annual leave because in the NHS that's done on how many day, um, how many years you've worked for the service. So you might be accruing extra annual leave. Yeah. Keep an eye on that. Consult your contract about that. And if you're in the pension as well, the NHS pension, you're accruing pension as, as well. So that could be amazing as well. So pros and cons, definitely. Um, right, it, Ed's literally itching to get onto the tax. Always, always itching to get on the tax. Um, and it's just because I think in the... Um, uh, in, in the the question that we received, you know, there's mention about earning the, the five thousand pounds a year as the HCA, um, and still getting taxed on that that income. And uh, of course, this is a 
So I'm, I'm, you know, that we can talk about, um, because if you're getting 5,000 pounds of employment income in a year, and let's assume that, that it's, that is the, the, the full amount, 5,000 pounds, no, no other income for anywhere else, et cetera. Um, then you absolutely shouldn't be getting taxed on that at all. It should fall entirely within the tax free personal allowance, uh, which for the current tax year, so the current tax year we're in, I'm sure you guys know is the 2021 to 2022 tax year, which will end on the 5th of April next year. And the, currently the personal allowance is £12,570. So, you know, until you exceed that amount in your, your income, you shouldn't be paying any income tax at all. So the first thing that I'll suggest you do um, is to check your tax code. So I, I talk about quite a lot. I'm sure we'll get quite sick of me saying this, but it's Never. key. We love it. I'm going to keep saying it. Um, uh, and basically, you find on any payslip that you receive, okay? So your tax code is a really key thing. You know, I won't talk about what the tax code is because we talk about it a lot, but find your tax code. If you find on your payslip it says anything like BR or 0T or D0, it means that your payroll have been told incorrectly by HMRC to take tax off your salary when they shouldn't be doing so, okay? So if you see that, it's wrong. You need to get your tax code changed. Um, we have lots of resources on our website, a blog all about tax codes, but a blog all about changing your tax code if it's wrong. And, you know, it could well be that well, you should be owed quite a bit of money on for by HMRC if you're being taxed on, on that. I don't know how many years that applies to, but um, you should be able to get that back. You should also bear in mind as well that you probably, um, I imagine, will be paying national insurance on, on that. And you shouldn't be doing that either because... If your income is less than, you know, just uh, just over 9,500, you shouldn't be paying national insurance either. So 5,000 pounds, you know, you should definitely not be um, paying income tax. You shouldn't be paying national insurance. Uh, you know, my advice would be to, to look into that and get that money back. Definitely. Even though Ed is an accountant, we're clearly saying you do not need an accountant to do this. You've, yeah, Ed's written an amazing guide. Um, if you just Google doctor's tax code, guess what comes out number one here on Google? I'm hoping it's us. It is. Yeah, I hope it is. Still is by the time this goes out. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, our SEO, search engine optimization, is another fascinating thing that I was working on yesterday. Um, so, yeah, have a look at that. It just takes you through step by step. Get the personal tax account. It's really amazing. Um, so hopefully that will help you with that tax problem. And I think you just talked about your two favorite things, which is tax and national insurance. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so you're happy. Yeah. Now, do I get to give out some tips? You can, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. So I think the main tip that I'm going to say for med students, and this is why I'm so excited that I know so many med students are listening to the podcast, but my number one tip is to get some financial education. Yeah. Medical school is going to teach you loads about medicine and being a doctor, but probably very little or even nothing about how to manage your finances. And even worse than teaching you nothing, they might invite some poorly trained salespeople in to come and try and sell you some products and exploit your financial naivety. So you need to learn about tax codes, how much tax you pay and why. You know, when you qualify, you can claim a tax rebate on all of the postgraduate fees, which just seem to mount up as the more training you do, the more you have to pay. Uh, and you can claim up to 40% of that back. We've got a free guide on it. But if you just are a med student or any kind of doctor, really, and you want to know a real quick way to get started, we've written an ebook, which is cunningly called What Medical School Didn't Teach Us About Money. 
And it just takes you through the absolute basics and it's totally free. And I'll put the link down below, but it's really easy. It's just medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook. And like thousands of med students have downloaded that, which makes us so happy because we know that thousands of you are getting the medical, uh, the financial education that med school hasn't given you. But if you are a medical student or you know a medical student, just tell them about the ebook because I think it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so tip one, get educated. You know, you that will pay dividends down the line. Tip two, something that I'm really passionate about, debt because I had a lot of debt. I know you had a lot of debt as well. And I was really worried about it like this uh, listener was. Um, and I think in some ways you do need to worry about it a bit. And I think the ebook goes in here pretty detailed, but I'm just gonna make a point about good debt versus bad debt. So good debt, I'm defining as low interest rate debt that is used to buy assets that appreciate in value. So an example of that would be your mortgage, which is hopefully a low interest rate, although they might be going up, but we'll talk about that on our special budget podcast. So yeah, and it's used to buy a house, which uh, is an asset, and historically houses have increased in value. So that is good debt, okay? Bad debt is high interest rate debt that is used to buy assets that depreciate in value. So a store card with a really high interest rate that's used to buy clothes that depreciate in value is an example of bad debt. A car loan, is another example of bad debt. So you need to avoid bad debt. And if you do have bad debt, you need to pay it off as soon as you qualify as a matter of priority. So going back to this listener's case, they've got a student loan, but they've also got a £3,000 credit card. So that, that £3,000 credit card, bad debt, got to pay off. Yeah, so pay that off. I mean, debt is such a massive topic. I haven't even touched on student loans, but I think if you're an older listener like ourselves, we're older now, we had a plan one student loan, yes. which was amazing debt. So I paid 1.1% to borrow 30,000 pounds on my student loan, a plan one student loan, amazing debt. Like that is below, you know, there's free money. Okay. Um, plan two student loans are a bit different and not so good in my opinion, uh, but you need to have a look at this in detail. Now we have got a whole chapter on this in our ebook. And I was really surprised when we built, I say we, when you built our student loan spreadsheet, the difference between a plan one and a plan two student loan- It's, it's big, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's big. big. Difference. You know, I could take out a commercial loan from a bank right now for a lower interest rate than a plan two student loan. So I'm not going to say definitely not the plan two student loan is bad debt. It's just not as good as a plan one loan. Um, sorry to anyone who's got a plan two loan. So even more reason to do the research and have a look at it. And um, our book will help you with that. Uh, I might regret saying this because last time I said this, we only had like 8,000 listeners. But if anyone wants to see the student loan debt chapter, drop us an email. I'll send it to you for free. I'm going to regret that. Yeah, you might get intimidated potentially. But, you know, okay. Yeah, uh, I just want to help them out though because yeah, I think yeah, the student loan chapter is really good and those calculations that you run are really interesting. Yeah. They're, they're very informative. Yeah. Okay. Opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, good debt, bad debt, pay off that credit card and get a handle on your student loan, which is not bad debt, but might not be great debt. Uh, I mean, the other thing to say is that that student loan has bought you an amazing asset, which is yeah. the ability to work and earn money as a doctor. Yeah, definitely. So it's still a great deal, in yeah. my opinion, just not as good as when me and Ed were there, um, which kind of goes back to what I was saying, that I think today's med students do have it harder than us. Yeah, I, I would say so. 
yeah. Okay. Uh, kind of related to debt, um, and maybe a little bit simplistic, but you need to spend less than you earn. Okay. And that sounds really simple and boring, doesn't it? But if you're going to pay off that debt, you need to have positive cash flow, i.e., money left over in your bank at the end of each month. And you don't need, you cannot spend your entire paycheck. Okay. So if you spend less than you earn, you build up money in the bank and you can use that money to pay off debt. And then once you've paid off the debt, you'll, you know, you could use that money to invest or something like that, or, you know, spend it on things that you like. But if you spend less than you earn, you'll be in a great position. And I, you know, when I was paying off all my debt, I remember when I paid it all off and I was so used to spending less than I earn and living quite frugally that, um, you know, I just started to build up uh, cash, which I used to invest. So it put me in a great position. So I'm not going to say that by having all the student debt, you're in a great position, but I think it builds habits, which if you can continue for the rest of your life, they are going to put you in a, a great position because you can save the money, invest it well, tire early, hit the beach, live the dream. That's it. <laughs> um, final tip. I'm just going to say, I didn't know what to call this tip, but I'm going to call it get the right advice for the right price. Okay, so as doctors, during your career, at some point, you are going to need advice, whether that's from an accountant like Ed or from a financial advisor or when you get a mortgage, okay? And working out what good advice looks like and what bad advice looks like is really, really important, especially what I mentioned at the start of this, which was that occasionally poorly trained salespeople masquerading as financial advisors will come to your med school and try and sell you something. So if you can read the ebook, we go into a lot more detail there. Don't want to say too much more here, but just get the right advice for the right price. And the two reasons we set up Medics Money were one, we wanted to give doctors a financial education that they need and so that you can empower yourself to make better financial decisions. But two, we realized that non-specialist advisors were more likely to give out incorrect advice. So we have a vetted list of what we consider to be the best advisors in the business. And they all go through our rigorous due diligence check. And um, <laughs> one of our advisors said that uh, they've got uh, their charter financial planner. And they said that our due diligence check where me and Ed kind of interview them, we interview everyone because it's like we're recommending them. Uh, they said that our interview was worse than any exam they'd ever had. Yeah. I think it's quite in depth, isn't it? Just to make sure, you know, quality control. <laughs> exactly. Like it's in depth. So, yeah. So, again, have a look in the ebook. So, hopefully, that was useful to all the medical students listening. If you've got any questions, ping them over to us. We love getting your questions. This was a question from a medical student. What did I miss? What should? What else should we say? I think that's, that's good. Um, just on that point about the advisors, you know, we mentioned this before, but there are definitely things where you don't have to get an advisor or an accountant okay oh, yeah. so um it's really important to say that there are definitely things out there that you, you can do yourself and that's another thing that we're, we're trying to do when it's money try and point you to where you can do things yourself like um checking your tax code or getting it changed like you know looking at your um expenses you know you don't always need uh, a specialist advisor but when you do need one it's really important to get someone that's uh, you know highly qualified and going to do a good job for you yeah, honestly, like medical students and, um, you know, F1s and F2s, you don't need an accountant. You just need the Medics Money Tax Rebate Guide, the Medics Money Tax Code Guide, and the ebook that I just told you about, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Unless there's something, you know, really special about your circumstances, which there might be. Yeah. Um, the, the vast majority of people 
uh, won't need one. I mean, I didn't need a, an, I, I'm an accountant, obviously, but I didn't, I wouldn't need one if I wasn't an accountant uh, as an F1 or F2. <laughs> I don't think you can say yourself as a typical use case because you... No, I'm slightly, <laughs> slightly strange in that regard, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. Not a good test case. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you do need an accountant, um, fine, you know where to come and get one, medics money. For financial advisors, I think as a junior doctor, you should consider income protection. You should consider yeah. life insurance, but you need to get that from an independent financial advisor that specializes in medical um, you know, doctors. And that is exactly what we have on Medics Money. We do not recommend any restricted financial advisors and you need to understand the difference between a restricted and an independent financial advisor because restricted search a limited selection of the market and you may not get the best deal independent financial advisors that specialize in doctors like those on medics money search the whole market so that's what i'm saying about just be wise get the information that you need i really hope that was useful to you i good luck for your exams yeah good luck. finals are never as bad as you think they are gonna be and i hope that you really enjoy a long and prosperous career working as a doctor and look after yourselves out there Thank, Thanks. You thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next podcast